Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sue Costello. Hi everybody, it's me, Sue Costello. We're up here in the Boogie Down Bronx with Walker Vreeland. Here we go. Another episode, another 30 minutes. We don't know what's going to come out of me this time. <laughs> I do know what I want to talk about, though. I want to talk about that 50-50-10. And don't tell me it's 40-40-20 or whatever. I don't care. 50-50-10 is what I want to say. It's so funny. I say 50-50-10 and they're like, no, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't. I'm like, yes, it does. To me, it does. 50-50-10 means 50% service, 50% money, 10% off of the top. So 10% off the top of all of it. So say you do... You know, because I always feel like, okay, empaths, people want to do service. People want, and that's part of the problem in the country is everything's all about money nowadays, right? So that, so nobody's helping anybody, but they've even perverted help because they perverted it into like, you'll get exposure, you'll get exposure. And it's like, I mean, who needs exposure? Doctors don't get exposure, they get money. Can I ask you how you would define empath? Empath, I feel like is some people who care, they care. That's all like, that's, that's exactly how I would say it. They care and they want to actually do something to learn how to put that into action. Because there are people that care that could care less about ever doing anything. They just want to say, oh, I care. But what I learned in my life, I mean, it's the same year. You're not judged by your intentions. You're judged by your actions. And that whole idea of this whole body thing that I'm working on of like, I'm completely body autonomous. I'm in charge of every move that my body makes. I'm in charge of so that whole idea of like, okay, and action, this idea of action and solution, like I love it. Like, I'm like, I don't know, I just woke up when I was like, this is not a dress rehearsal. Like I said, I was in a dreamlike, dreamlike state. I was like in a childish, like, somebody's going to come take care of me. Like one of my episodes for the TV show is no one's coming. No one is coming. <laughs> and it is, it's weird. It goes, speaks back to like even that, that the other episode where I talked about the abusive boyfriend, like it takes two to tango. Like I got deep about where the abuse comes from, but also it does take two to tango. Like if I don't play the role, then what's going? Then what are we going to do? That's that's what the whole play is about. That's what I am Sue Costello is all about. It's not. It's about not being a victim, no matter what happened to me. Like that whole idea of like, okay, some people we have terrible child. Everybody, I've never met anybody that told me they had the most lovely childhood. Or people will say it, and then later on they're like, well, wasn't that lovely? I mean, it's not perfect. It could never be perfect once you're out of your mother's womb. You just couldn't be. I mean, there's even kids that like hurt themselves over the summer in like sixth grade or something. They had to be in a body brace or something that, and they're devastated. You know, everybody has something to deal with. And I really feel like that's how they exploited us with this, all this money and stuff is that they were still chasing that. And they know that people are chasing that. They know everybody's trying to get like better than or, or fill yourself up and you'll have that fantasy or go on the vacation or but that whole idea of everywhere you go, there you are. And I've been, I'm not joking. I've been working on this for 20 years. I have a TV show that I pitched and it's called Everywhere You Go, There You Are. All my, everything since Costello, it's all been the same thing. And it's been, people have had resistance to it because they don't want to break out of their own fantasy. I remember reading this, uh, this thing about the study, about these guys that were trying to study people's abuse and psychology and patterns and everything. And they could never do the study because the guys had never done it. They had never gone through it themselves. And I thought, oh, that makes sense because how are you going to be able to study someone else's spiritual journey if you are stuck in your own prism of what you think the world is? So this 50-50-10 is like, okay. And also I was thinking like, let's be pragmatic. Let's really empower people instead of trying to, everything is, everything is like, how can, capitalism is supposed to be like 
free enterprise. Like you're supposed to be able to decide. You're supposed to be able to decide if you want to take the risks and make the big money and everything. But there's supposed to also be this middle class that's supposed to be able to like work for the globe. Like this, that guy in New York who, who got rid of, I mean, you want to talk about infants, babies in suits. He had like a bunch of magazines and they tried to unionize. Listen to this. They tried to unionize. And I'm not saying, I understand that people that own companies, the unions scare them, whatever. And there's a lot of middle ground there, but he, he closed all the magazines. He closed all the magazines. And so I put on Twitter, who's going to buy all the things from your companies if you're taking away the jobs from the people who are supposed to buy from the company? And how are you going to advertise the things from the company if you don't have any magazines? What's got, I'm like, are these people going to live in a fortress with all of us dead and just no health insurance and just lying all over? It's, it insults my intelligence. Like sometimes I feel like I should be in a different planet because I'm like, <laughs> it just insults my intelligence so much. I'm like... Even like, even if you're the president, like you can do whatever you want. Like you can take away social services, but guess what? If you have people that have mental issues on the street or, or, or homeless people that can't take care of themselves, they are eventually going to get more and more distraught. And guess what? The, the violence is going to get worse and they're going to affect your grandchildren and their children and everybody else. So I don't, this whole idea that we're exempt and that we're not to get, it just, it baffles me. This isolation thing, it just absolutely baffle, it baffles me. You should run for office. I don't know. I don't know if I could ever want to do that because I feel like then you have to be in that system. I want to be in my own system. I want to be in my own, uh, what's it called? My own solar system. Everybody always tells me I should do like, and I'm like, no, well, why don't I just do what I'm doing? I, I swear to God, even what you just did is what everybody does. Like you should do that. It's like that mechanism inside of people instead of us just being here. So true. It's so, because it's like more, more, more. And that's what happens with people. And then I used to listen to everybody and be like, oh, I gotta, oh. I mean, how many times during the day people say, you can't do that, you can't do this. You, Oh, speaking of which, I love when things just come to my brain from the med that match into the other thing. So I was at Whole Foods the other day and I walk in and they were playing 50s music and I went to grab my, I was with my mom and I went to grab my little basket, you know, to get my stuff. And I kind of twirled a little and I did a little shake with, because I was with my mother. And all of a sudden I was halfway down the aisle and I feel two hands on my shoulders push my entire body down from behind push with so much force, push my body down. And I was, it scared me at first. And somebody was, it was a man and he whispered in my ears and he's like, there's no dancing in Whole Foods. And it was so, and I was, I'm going to call them. I'm going to email them. But because I was like, and then my mother's like, oh, he was just being funny. Cause then you're with your mother and she doesn't want any problems. And it's like, and my father's like, you should, you should own that company. <laughs> Cause my father knows he's like, what is he doing? Touching you in this climate and he shouldn't be touching you anyways. But I was like, but see, that's what I'm, that, that, that little subtle, like squelter the light. Look at that. Doesn't even care. Doesn't care what's going on in the climate. Doesn't care that he's putting his hands on me. Doesn't care that he could lose his job. Does not care. His compulsive need to come over and intimidate me and tell me to just, I wasn't even dancing for, I didn't even know he was there. That kind of stuff goes on all the time. Stop having joy. To the point that I would, I will sacrifice my whole life. I will go down in flames. But that's, that's what we're talking about here. That kind of, and people, people get tired. They think I can't do it. It happens all the time. I can't do it, but you can, I can, I, you get better at it. And you learn when to pick your battles and when not to. I was with my mom. I was like, I'm not going to say anything. But then yesterday I was like, you know what? I might email that, that company. I think I'm going to email them. And then you have to, and then what I learned is let go of the results. Like whatever they do, if they, some, cause some people like the story I told about the yoga place, like they just abuse me more. And then you just move on and you go, all right, but I do it for myself. 
I don't do it for outside. Re- I don't do it so that they'll do something for me or change. Because most people, like I said, it's really hard to change. But that idea of like that squelching of the, of the light. And then it feels comfortable. And then, I mean, I was out with these girls last week for dinner. I was talking about all the stuff that's going on with the TV and with my career. And, it, and everything is, is vibrating on such a level right now, literally because I'm looking at the dark stuff and not caring. I mean, when I was people pleasing everybody, it wasn't working. So it doesn't even get you anywhere. That's what's so, and they, the, the main thing they asked me is how do you deal with the jealousy? And I was like, isn't that, that's the one thing they wanted to know about. And I was like, yeah, people are terrified of people being jealous of them. But that to me would be like a naive, that would be me being a little girl again and be like, I just want to be famous and great and have everybody love me and nobody ever be jealous and don't bother me. It would be so great. That would, that's never going to happen. If I'm going to shine, people are going to get, they're going to get triggered by it. And it's to have that, le- it's to have that level of like, not only self-esteem, but also to realize that they're allowed. Don't control their reaction to my success. That's what really, all the time when I just swallow my own stuff and I realize, like, somebody told me one time, like, saying I was a loser. I'm very pragmatic. So when people give me, like, and I love, all I want to do is grow. I just don't want to hurt somebody. I don't want to bother them. How can I make sure that I'm not contributing to the problem? I want to contribute to the solution. So even if I have to, like, even if it's embarrassing, I remember somebody said to me, when you say like, I'm a loser, I'm a loser, that's the flip side of pride. And I was like, oh my gosh, they're right. It's like the same kind of self-centeredness, except it's just flipped. And then that gets me to this whole idea of like speaking up and every, and I'm afraid, like, what if I be myself and people don't like me? Well, my thing is like, I'd, I'd rather you not like the real me than not like the fake me. That would be even worse. <laughs> So I have times in my life where I could say something really lovely and people swear at me. And I'm starting to get to the point like, what do I even care what people say to me? Because it's they're not even listening to me. Well, this is the seventh episode, so we're almost there. Or almost maybe they'll hear us <laughs> in the eighth one. Mm. But that's also could be tedious to people because then that 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 feeling of being a child of I just want to say it once and you should get it because it's uncomfortable for me to say it. like that idea of flipping into the adult. And it's really it is hard because you have to overcome a lot of stuff that was unjust. But I mean, when do you learn that life isn't fair when you're a kid? You learn. I mean, and then what do you, you get stuck on? It isn't fair. It's not fair. It's it's a horror show. Sometimes life is like, are you kidding me? Really? I mean, even just watch people carrying their bags and going to the airport. You're like, it's a horror show. I know everybody's like exhausted in line and like, but how, and then I just keep thinking about how in your container, in your body, like, like even my mom and dad, we were talking, they were talking about, I don't know, my dad was, I think people, when they get older, they're nervous that the kids are going to like shove them in a nursing home or something because maybe they're mad at them from when they were kids. <laughs> I'm like, dad, we're not going to shove you in a nursing home. And he's like, ah, I heard on the news. I heard on the news. It just sounded like that same feeling that everybody has in the country. Like, what if, what if, what if, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Like, like when I talked about that, um, about the jury, that they were going to convict the guy based on what if, on what their fear might be. They wanted to have some result based on their fear, not on reality. So I'm like, I feel like that's a lot of what goes on. So I'm like, okay, let's get back to basics. So with my mom and dad, I was like, well, you're not going to be able to tell. Like say dad, say it ended up being dad by himself and mom was gone. And I'm like, and all of a sudden I was at a place in my life where I made the decision I'd rather live with dad than put him in a nursing home. Like that, you don't know. I don't know if that's what's gonna happen, but it could, you don't know, you have no idea. But I'm like, but I will tell you this. I said, this is what you two can do. I said, you can make a list. I said, I don't live with you, so I have no idea what, how you live. 
I go make a list of what's important to you, what you like to eat, what time of day you like to eat, when you like to shower, what kind of music, what's important to you, are your books important to you, what do you need, what do you like to have around you? I'm like, because that's that same idea of what I was saying, like if I got stuck in in jail or in closet, like if if I know who I am, then at least I could do my yoga or whatever. So I was like, why don't you do And they were so relieved. Yeah, also that's so great because that's something they could do now. Mm-hmm and something that they have control over mm-hmm. as opposed to projecting into the future mm-hmm. and worrying about what's to come that you don't, you can't control, you don't know what the future holds. And it also will give, instead of me winging it with the nurse, if he's in a nursing home saying, do this, do that, I'll know. This is the kind of food he likes. He doesn't like that. I'll be speaking from something real as opposed, and I was thinking, yeah, that might be the whole, that same idea of people are afraid to address that your parents might die. But- the, the the fear is 50,000 times worse than if you just address it now. And then you can actually have real love with people. Then you can actually experience the person for who they really are. But to get to that, I mean, I used to be, if my parents say, they've been talking about dying since they were born. I'm like, all right. <laughs> but instead of getting mad at them, I heard them. I'm like, it's an anxiety for them. I'm like, let's do this. Let's write this down. And then they felt great because then it's also then and think about me being able to see them as a person too for them to actually take the action of writing it down then I'll really get to know them better too. So whether they end up wherever they end up, I'll still know if something people get nervous and you get dementia or you might forget and then people will take control over you. That's what everybody's afraid of. So if I have a list, and then if you have siblings, you can say, well, here's the list. So we're not fighting because we're all distraught because we don't know what's going on or our childhood issues aren't kicking up or whatever's going on we'll be able to be like, well, here's the list. We know these basics. And that's really, if anybody really sits still right now and thinks about what makes them happy, it's something simple and basic. What kind of food do you like? How many times a day do you like to shower? Do you not like to shower? Do you like a bath? Do you like a shower? What do you, when do you like to go to the bathroom? Like what, what's your, what's your, you know, people know, they just know. Do you like to be hugged? Do you not like to be touched? Do you like to be asked? Do you not like to be asked? I mean, it's very, very simple things. Okay, so the hugging. So the the Girl Scouts, they did a thing where they're going to, uh, where they don't want people to hug the Girl Scouts anymore. So this is the same idea. It's like spinning it out of control instead of like just talking about it. And I've said this about, I, I might have said this on one of the podcasts already about the kids when they're little, not forcing a child to hug an adult that they don't feel comfortable with. And most of the time, the only time that they're doing that, when the kid's doing that, is when the adult is either drunk or has like vexing energy or they're loud or something. And what happens again, the parent gets ashamed or the person who they're supposed to hug gets mad or hurt. And it's like, no, sometimes I think this podcast should be called Calm Down. (laughs) I do. I just think it should be Calm Down, everybody. Like, because it's not, everybody's so hurt and offended. And it's like, if we really get, just a little more calm and see things in the perspective. So the kids don't want to hug the adult because maybe they're drunk or they don't like them or maybe they don't feel safe. So then what you're teaching a child is to hug somebody who they don't feel safe with, right? So instead of going all up in arms and saying, don't hug anybody, one thing that you can do is is ask somebody, can I give you a hug? And a parent, and that's what the play is about too, the one with the power is the one that is responsible. It's one of the lines in the play. And when I get the power at the end of the play, I tell them the one with the power is responsible because now I'm responsible because I have power over the people that have been abusing me and I'm not going to abuse them. So this whole idea that the adult has the power over the, ask the child. And yeah, people are going to be like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I'm like, okay. So then they have this thing called, you want to talk about spinning out of control? I saw on 
in London, they have a thing called you can go to a cuddlist. Instead of like a massage place, you go to a cuddlist place where you go and get cuddled. I think they have that in New York too. Okay. This is my personal opinion, but that's like a lawsuit waiting to happen. It's boundaryless and it's so like, and it brings me back to that same idea of being like an adult, like just use your words. And I know it's really hard. I know it's hard to navigate and I know you're mad and you don't understand. You wish people would read your mind and all that. But can you imagine? Because you can't, I mean, and, and let me, I'm not preaching. I couldn't do it with my old boyfriend. Trust me. I had change. I am not pre, I'm just saying to me, it's the answer. It's what I'm learning is the answer. I'm not saying I wasn't mad. I'm not saying that things weren't just or unjust, but I'm just saying for me, it's the answer. Figuring out how to use my words and and having some sort of control over them and asking for what I need because that's what I'm also realizing. That's a big thing that I'm learning. Getting over being mad, getting over being wishing somebody was going to take care of me, getting over wishing somebody was going to come and save me. What I'm realizing is when I ask for what I need directly, it helps the other person very easily give it to me because there's no drama. They don't feel manipulated, manipulated. But then what happens to me is feeling the love is, is sometimes intolerable for me. It scares me when I ask for what I need and then I get it. I, there's a part of me that's like, ugh, I want to push it away. So that's a whole nother level of what I need. Cause so it's easy. This victim thing is easy to get in. Nobody helps me. I don't get, uh, they screw me over. I mean, I've been, I've been so guilty of it. And to navigate, to find out what the truth was, it was my own inability to handle the love once I got it. And I think a little bit of sadness of like, yeah, no one's really coming to. <laughs> Nobody's coming. But I can tell people like, listen, I'd like when you ask me for a hug. That's one thing. No hugs in the business meetings. You know, what do I like to eat in the morning? I like to have a smoothie. I like to have granola. Granola from Whole Foods with the, if they straighten out that pushy guy. But granola <laughs> with yogurt I have. I like to have steak every once in a while. But I like to have, I have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. What do I like for sweets? I like ice cream. I don't know. I like to do my yoga. I like music. I love all sorts of music. I would always have to have music on. So if I go crazy, everybody knows what I want. Don't let anybody put me in the nursing home without what I want, you guys. My yoga mat. <laughs> my music. <laughs> I like to poop in the morning, right when I get up. Makes me feel good every day. I like to poop every day. And I like to go to bed. I sleep eight hours a night. And I like to watch TV. I like to watch Netflix. I like to watch good acting. I like to find a series that I can watch to relax. And other than that, I love doing my career. And I like to grow. But I don't know if when you have dementia, if you can keep growing, but I think you can. I think you can always keep growing. I think you can always find the beauty. I think you can always. And when Did I tell the story about Amara on this podcast yet? No. I didn't? Mm -mm. So I did a movie with Amara years ago. And I've been friends with the family, but not very close. I mean, friendly. They've come to my show. They've given me, they come to the play. They gave me uh, reviews and everything. But, and ended up in the hospital. She had a stroke. She since died. So I feel like I can talk about it. It's been years. I would never tell. I never told a soul until this is probably one of the first times. So uh, we went and she had a very bad stroke and they asked me to come. I went to the ICU unit. And so I was a, a little bit like, this is very personal for me to be here, but they must've thought they won't, they must've thought of me to be somebody to be there, but they asked you to be there. Yes. But her friend and her friends were devastated and the family was devastated. I wasn't as devastated because it wasn't my family. So I was a little bit removed, but I was definitely like, oh my gosh, I'm in this intimate situation. But I remember, so we, I went up to talk to her and I was very, very, very scared. 
very scared to walk up to her. I was terrified, but I was like, Sue, get over it. Go up and say hi to her. And I know Anne's personality was hilarious. And I'm thinking, oh God, she's probably like, shut up. Stop crying, everybody. She was so hilarious. So I'm like, I want to honor her, right? So they said that if she made it, they didn't know if she was going to make it. She was going to move to a nursing home uptown. And uh, so I just walked up to her and all I said, I said, Anne, how are you? And she looked at me. All she could do was look. And she looked up and I said, I hear you moving uptown. Walker, the whole entire room flipped around. They all ran over to her. They're like, yeah, yeah, you're an uptown girl. You're an uptown girl. You're going to move uptown. And I slowly snuck out of the ICU. And she moved uptown for like two more years afterwards. And me and Amy went to go visit her. And we sang, uh, there are worse things you could do. Oh, my God. Was, you want to talk about one of the most, like, maybe shame. I felt ashamed. Me and Amy sang. So Anne was, had had a stroke, so she didn't have all her effects. She couldn't move and everything. So we, we put on it. There were worse things we could do, I could do. And we sang the entire song into her eyes. And I remember being halfway through, being like, oh, my gosh, Sue, this is embarrassing. Oh, this is intimate. And I was like, just keep going. Do it for Anne. She can't move her body. She's, do it, do it, do it. And I did it. And we sang the whole song for her. And Amy still says, like, that's one of the memories that she has. That's a gorgeous thing that you did. It's a gift. Well, it's that, I thank you, but I think it's that idea of like, what can I do? I can't change this, but what can I do? And how can I not be, make it be about me? That's what it is. How can I not make it be about me? Because I, my gosh, I never realized how much I made everything about me. And I said that in the, one of the earlier podcasts, like when I'm afraid, that's self-centered fear. Then I'm, then I'm not looking at everybody involved. And if it's just, I'm scared, I can't do that because I'm afraid. I'm afraid that Luya might send me an email, whatever. Sue at SueCostello.com. Send it. <laughs> I don't even care anymore. I don't. I don't. I'm like, what? I don't. I want to, like, everybody stop with the calm down. Calm down. So the 50-50-10, 50% service, 50% money, 10% tithing. So, wait, and what does that mean exactly? Can you explain more in more detail? So Okay, so say you want to work with somebody, but you don't need all the money. There's some people that are not always driven by just money. There are. But because of capitalism, like I was going to say, so capitalism now is, what do you have? I'm going to capitalize on it. That's what it's turned into. What can you give me? You show up, give me it. Give it, give, give it, give it, give it to me. How can I get it? How can I get more? How can I kick? Okay. We're not even having human exchanges anymore. And there's a lot of people that are, I believe the empaths that don't want to just do the money thing. They want to have, they want to think enough of themselves that they don't take too little money, but they also don't need everything to be money. And I think if we started doing that, then we'd even have more power because then what are they going to do? If we start bartering and everything, then they're like, what? You're not going to fall for all this like Black Friday stuff? We're like, no, actually, we just bartered and we're, we're, we're cool. We bartered with the cuddlest and we're cool. <laughs> now we're suing the cuddlest. <laughs> but no, I mean, so this idea of like, so giving people like some sort of like, and it doesn't have to be strict, strict 50-50, but the, this idea of like, okay, I want to get this job and I have to do some to show somebody that I want to get this job. But then there's a certain level that it has to be that I get paid this much money. So say it's only a little bit of money. It's still the act of like, I'm going to do this and you give me this little bit of money. I'm going to do this and you give me this little, or let's make sure that I'm getting something out of it. 50, 50. We should be both be getting some money. Money's hopefully always going to be involved because why isn't anybody making any money anymore? Because the rich people are all getting all the money. I mean, the conglomerates are all getting to get, they're all merging. It's like, it's getting out of control. So what do we do as all these 99 percenters? Like, what do we do? First of all, we don't think we don't have to worry so much about money. And then we take that off the table. Because what are they going to do if all of a sudden we're like, yeah, we're good. They're going to be like, what? That's how we control you. 
right? So then you have the power there. And then even if it, it doesn't have to do with money, it's like 50-50. You and I should do something together that we're both equally gaining from, not me getting more than you. That's it. That's how it should be. We should both be benefit. Everybody should benefit. And then the 10% off the top is like, say, hopefully what I'm going to do eventually is I'm going to, whatever I make, even if so, the podcast is going to be pay what you wish. Everything. I would love everything to be pay what you wish. Or 50-50, like even when I raise the money for the play, it's going to be 50% crowdfunding, 50% investors. Same thing with on this podcast, like ad advertisers, it's going to be 50% people giving the money and anybody who wants to advertise, they're going to have to give me a story that fits into the podcast that shows that they're doing something good for the world in order for me to advertise. It's not going to just be buying advertising on this. So that's that whole idea of 50, 50, 50, 50. And then, so, and then on the street. So this guy, one day he, uh, he asked me in the street, he said, I mean, in the story, he said, will you buy me dinner? And I got, right away, right away I got nervous. I was like, oh gosh, he's working me. That was my first reaction. And then I was like, I've been hungry. I'm like, what if I just, because this is what I mean by empaths, okay? This is exactly what I mean, if you want to know what I mean about empaths. If somebody was really hungry, would you really want to give somebody food? Of course. 100 million percent. I bet there's tons of people out there that would want to. But because of the way the country has turned into and because of what, the way the thinking is and everything is that people think, Oh, they're trying to work me. Or what if I get screwed over? What if this? One thing I will say is if I do it, then it's because I'm, the way I've, I've, I've um, figured that out inside of myself is, is that I'm like, okay, I made the decision. If they're screwing me over, that's their issue. I'm doing it because I want to help. So that helps me in one sense. That's that same idea brings us back to, I'm always trying to control other people's reaction to me. So once I start letting go of that, then I, once it's out of my hands, you do what you got to do. And then that frees me up a little. Then I'm not trying to control everything and be safe all the time. So the guy asked me, you know, will I buy him dinner or not? And I go, all right. And then he's like, can I get steak? It was like taco place or something. And I go, okay. Because <laughs> then, of course, you would have been like, oh, God, he wants steak now, right? And so then uh, they got the food for him. And then, uh, then he was like, hey, can I have a drink? And I go, oh, no, 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 that's all. So it's like that idea of like, well, how do we manage, how do we engage with people and also know that they're going to push. But I also say that about people who have nothing, they are going to push. Can you imagine not having anything and then all of a sudden be given something? They're going to push. People push. So it's like this whole idea of like, how do we manage it? How do we be em empathic enough and also protect ourselves? So this idea of like, yes, that's what I felt comfortable with. And then I didn't feel like, again, I didn't abandon myself because I didn't let him push me and I didn't say no to him just projecting my fear because that's what I was talking about in that jury story like that's what people do like what if that happens I'm not doing it because what if that happens instead of having the actual experience with the person and then he wanted to sit with me and I was like oh hells to the no he wanted to have a date now he wants a date see he's pushing it and he wants to have a date with me <laughs> I'm like oh no 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 and the old me I would have gotten mad at that before and now I don't now I laugh I'm like it's a compliment he wants to have a date it's hilarious right and that's and there is some truth to yes you give somebody and then they are going to push like that freedom that I've gotten instead of being so huffy and offended at everything and then sure and he had like a Ralph Lauren jacket on and there was a little bit of me that was like very worried that I was being worked and sure enough doesn't he walk outside and push a carriage and he had like a million water bottles and I was so happy that I bought, I'm like, that guy's even working. That guy's even working to do something with his life. And here I am with all this stuff going on inside of me, worrying about, you know, you're going to fuck me over. You know, it's like, yeah, some people are, but, but, but I don't want to close myself down for that. So that's that idea. So giving people pragmatic, like, okay, so 50, 50, 10. So what I want to do eventually is have 10% go 
back either. I, what we're doing with the app is I hope it'll go back into artists, go back into somehow getting people, invigorating them to do something to change the world. And then the 10% goes in, whether it's to their product or something. So we engage everybody, we invigorate people. So it goes back in. And then what happens also, I was going to say the 50, 50, 10, uh, the, the Sue Costello Trinity. So I helped that guy. I overcame my own fear of being screwed over. He ate, he got some boundaries. He got treated with respect in a way that I didn't treat him like he was a loser. I gave him boundaries just like I would give any guy, a Wall Street guy or anybody. No, you can't sit with me. So that actually gives him respect because it treats him like he's not pathetic. And then the woman watching us, so that's it, the Trinity. So it's good for me, it's good for him. And then the woman watching us was like, oh, oh, she bought him dinner and it didn't, nothing bad happened. So this whole idea of of the 50-50-10 or the the Trinity, the triangle of like, I help you, you help me, and then the people watching, everybody benefits. And that's what I was trying to tell them with the talk show. I was like, the audience, the person on the stage with me, the audience witnesses, and then when it goes out the camera, then the people witness it. They're all witnessing this equal exchange of benefit as opposed to, I'm going to have 90% benefit and I'm going to squish you so much that you're nothing. Because it's not working. And it hasn't worked. And I've been telling people that it doesn't. And I always to say to people, if you, everybody was happy, I would not say anything. I wouldn't be like, you guys should. I'm not a bossy pants. I don't care. I'm at my business. I sit in the closet and do my yoga. <laughs> but it's not people unhappy. And I, and I have done a lot of work where I realized a lot of the stuff was my own, my own fear. And I didn't know how to do the middle ground. Like I remember when I was in LA, this guy, and a lot of people asked me, like the, I, did, I headlined in Arizona and the, and the guy I was working with, he was like, Sue, I never saw anything like what happened with you while I worked with you this week. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, something would happen. You would pause. You would decide how to act and then you would act. So it's like people are starting to see, that's what I mean by the healing actually going on inside as opposed to me telling people what to do. And then one time we were in Reno and the guy had, he had IBS or something and he went to the bathroom and the girlfriend was making fun of him. And everything in my body, I was like, no, 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 we're not making fun of that guy. And so I kind of played with her and made fun of the fact that she was, I was like, really gonna make fun of your boyfriend? And then he came back in and before he came in, I told the audience, I said, if anybody laughs, you're all getting kicked out. And so that even made it funny because then they had the tension of trying not to laugh because I made them laugh and then they didn't laugh. And then this guy sends me an email. I just want you to know that my family and I have never seen that kind of kindness in our life and we were so touched. And I'm like, what is happening? I never thought anybody saw it because I thought you had to be big and loud or like, and I was like, oh, they saw it just, and I didn't, it wasn't like a big overblown, like I'm so kind. It was just this little bit of not picking on them. And that's how much people were like, we want it so badly. So that's what I mean by empaths. I feel like there are people out there and it is scary to be the one to say it, but I'm not that scared anymore. And I don't mind saying it. I don't mind being clear. No haters. Like is going to like, I'm going to get t-shirts that say like is going to like on it with my accent on it. I mean, that's it. I mean, there's plenty of places. Are you angry? You want to be hateful? Go somewhere else. But That's not what we're doing here. And that doesn't mean we're holier than thou and we're like so lovely all the time. We're just messy human beings trying to get to a different level of not being so messy. That's it. Just a tiny bit every day. What if we just do it a little bit every time we have a podcast? We all tried. Like I was thinking that today. Like I, not gossiping. Like try not to gossip for a day. Try it. And I'm talking no gossip. I'm talking nothing. No leak. None. The emotions that you have to feel, they're so intense. And then you're like, oh, I realize why I'm gossiping. But then that's abandoning yourself again. I mean, I remember plenty of times being a teenager and gossiping and then somebody busting me. And I was mortified. 
because I didn't even really mean it. And when the person told me I hurt their feelings, I was like, I don't really want to hurt their feelings. This is awful. I'm like, now what happens if I just don't hurt their feelings to begin with? I have to have some feelings inside my body, but you know what? Better than discharging it all over the place, speaking of like, I mean, there's those sexual things that happen are, are one aspect of it. But if you really look at all of it, all this discharging, all this like manipul, this masturbating, this like, it's all this power. It's all, it's all the same in different ways. It's all, you can use any addiction you want to use with it, but it's all the same thing. It's all this like, I'm going to be better. You're going to be this one-upmanship. And I'm like, we don't need to one-up each other. They just sold us a bill of goods that we have to one-up each other. I'm going to finish with this. I was in LA a couple of years ago. They were all on, what was when Larry King was still on. So it was years and years ago. So this is before any of this like new agey stuff came. And uh, they were all talking, they asked all these doctors, they had like four of them on the screen. They said, what do you think the highest rate of uh, death in the country is? And one person said, uh, no, I'm sorry. They asked Deepak Chopra first. What do you think the highest rate of death in the country is? And he said, isolation. And I remember lying in my bed and I'm like, and he goes, doctors? And I was like, come on, doctors, come on, come on. Every single one of them said isolation, 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 isolation. Because we're becoming more and more isolated. People are eating more. People are hurting themselves more. They're feeling more ashamed. They're afraid. They're not sharing their stories with people because they're so afraid they're going to get hurt. And the tr and it, that, that truth is, uh, the truth will set you free, that thing. It is true. It is true, but it's like so scary. And, and the truth will set you free, told in a way that is only to free yourself, not to hurt people. If you try to do it to hurt people, you're going to come back like a boomerang. But yeah, the truth will set you free. I'm messy. I get ashamed. I screw up. I've come. I'm doing good, though. I've taken care of some of it. I don't hurt people unconsciously anymore. I don't even hurt. I don't hurt them consciously, but I definitely push people back. That's my biggest freedom has been that I'm like, yeah, I'm not Pollyanna. You push me, I'm going to push you right back. Right back. <laughs> All right, that's it for today. Bye, everybody. Bye.